dinosaurs. Hey, you like Pez? It looks like that has Heaney from the boundary line. He's an expert at these. Hello and welcome to Behind the Boundary Podcast. I'm your host, Pez. I'm here with Sauce. We've got a big round 17 in AFL coming up this week. And what was a big round 16 that we just finished, Sauce? Yeah, most definitely, Pez. It was a great round of football. A couple of flag favourites or dynasties almost coming to an end. We had a couple of uh, matchups that definitely were a little bit more one-sided than people thought. And um, some really big coaching news this week as well, Pez, um, yeah. you know, to start the week off. Yeah, the big, the big coaching thing. Another succession plan. Uh, very interesting stuff where Alistair Clarks and we will see him out till the end of 2022. And Sam Mitchell will take the reins from 2023 and above. Very interested to hear your thoughts. We've had uh, about 10 years ago with Bucks, who has obviously just uh, quit coaching, uh, tapped on the shoulder and fired. Uh, and that wasn't a success. They didn't get a premiership out of it. Um, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, the, on the, the two. It's an interesting one. I mean, Sam Mitchell obviously had his head in the... Had his head. Had his hat in the, uh, the, the ring for some of the other jobs going around. And he actually withdrew, um, you know, earlier in the week saying, he, well, I'm not going to put my hand up for the Collingwood uh, job, even though being um, one of the top candidates. He was assistant coach at West Coast that saw them have an AFL uh, premiership in 2018. I think the different situation in this one is that he actually has been head of development as the Box Hill senior coach. Um, he's been head of their development at Hawthorne. Um, and it's an interesting one because he has had a relationship before with, with Alistair Clarkson. I don't know if succession plans are the way to go. I mean, realistically, it's a succession plan that we haven't seen in a in time where the team isn't doing well. Where the other succession plans that we've seen, they've sort of been doing a lot better, and then they've had a, a you know a coach taken over once the you know the the tender's finished. But they've been doing really well. You look at the Collingwood one; they obviously were, were at the top of the ladder, and they said, "We want Bucks. We don't want to lose him." Even though Malthouse probably was still doing a great job, he was top of the table. We saw the Demons one as well with the succession plan. You know, they took over, and then they sort of fell from grace out of finals. And you know, Paul is just in one of keep going there. yeah I mean, but, they, but they, they still had the succession plan this one it, you know it's structured in 2023 we've seen the Essendon one where that hasn't really um, well it's starting to see benefits now but they were obviously down the bottom of the ladder when they did it and well Worstfold didn't have his heart in it and that was uh, something different so the two I think you can compare is the one you spoke about earlier Collingwood and the Hawthorne one now the the point that you've made is Collingwood they had won a premiership in 2010 they lost the grand final in 2011 and then it was bye bye Mick Malthouse and he went off and we know what he did went to Carlton and all of that so Collingwood were actually up the top they had a really young list and they were talked about being a dynasty for the next four or five seasons that went downhill when Buckley came in uh didn't get they got to a grand final in 2018 Buckley's obviously quit now they're down in the bottom four this season uh we've got the Hawks who are actually just starting to really bottom out at the moment they've tried to top up tried to top up hasn't worked out at all so they've got players from other clubs and things like that, but they're they're right down in the dumps at the moment. They've had a big celebration with Sean Burgoyne playing his 400th on the weekend. Alistair Clarkson has said earlier this year that he wants to continue to be the coach and continue to do the rebuild. Um, I think they've done a real big disservice to Alistair Clarkson here because if you want Mitchell, you tap him on the shoulder and say, you got the job at the end of the year, and he goes. I don't think the succession plan... Um, I'd agree with you, Sauce. It's not the way to go because uh, tensions can happen. Clarkson, what's he going to be coaching for next year? He knows that um, he, he's going to ruin, or not ruin, but he's going to put a blemish on his uh, coaching record. 
and uh, Sam Mitchell is not going to have anything and then he's going to have an extra year uh, where Hawthorne are losing their games, getting an extra pick and Sam Mitchell will come in there. Um, next year, I don't know how it works. Does Sam Mitchell take most of the reins at, at training during the week? Does he take a lot of the decisions in the coach's box? I don't know how they're going to do it. And I think that's where the, you know, the... Um up in the airness about it and then we're yet to see a plan that actually you know succession plan where we can say hey that was a successful um because of this this and this we don't know what their roles are i mean ultimately alistair clarkson is the head coach he's been the head coach there for 15 years he's had success he's built dynasties at the end of the day i don't see how it works as a traineeship i think most definitely they've had opportunities where they can use other coaches you look at um sydney for example you got dean cox in there they're quite often going head to head but he's an assistant coach at the end of the day he has the final say in his succession plan, who has the final say? Who's driving and who is, you know, who's loading up Google Maps with, with the maps there to go? Is Alistair Clarkson showing him basically as a traineeship saying, this is what I do, this is what I do, this is what I do, and Mitchell's sitting there going, well, I wouldn't do things this way. Is that the opportunity to speak up? Do they change it? You know, you're risking a lot, obviously, because Sam Mitchell's trying to stamp himself. He's been, you know, he's obviously... A, you know, he, he could, has been touted as the next best thing. He's been one of the great football minds that we've seen. He went over to West Coast and, you know, played for them for a year and he was a big, an intro, you know, integral part of their premiership. But at the end of the day, he's coming in as the passenger and he's going to be trying to back, um, backseat driving. You've got some of those senior players who played with him and then you've got some of the juniors who are, all they know is Alistair Clarkson. Now you're going to have someone else who's chirping along as well, trying to get his point across, trying to get their point across, trying to change the game plan, knowing that they're going to bottom out. I don't see how you can work it without going to a new club and here's the reins. Have they had a meeting? Have they had a sit-down meeting during the week and go, we're on the same page for everything? Because if they're not on the same page and players are getting different messages, I know who I'm listening to. I'm listening to Sam Mitchell. But they're because on the, he's he's going to be taking he's going to be um, making the team selections yeah. in the next few years. But they're on the same page now, Pez. What happens if um, you know they're going this succession plan and they they're, they're Alistair Clarkson's driving and they have the team meeting beforehand? But realistically, he goes out and addresses them. Let's say they win their first five games. Like what happens then? Does Alistair Clarkson goes? You know what? I'm going to take the reins here because we've got a good opportunity to make finals. This will get me set up for the next... And I think that's where the, the problem is. When you can see the door there, you've got two two options that happens. Mick Malthouse fighting for his life. Obviously, Nathan Buckley didn't have a whole lot in those premierships. You know, that you know they, they got there and he was there, but Mick Malthouse was coaching for his next job. Got the next job, wasn't successful. You look at worse holders position... Disengaged, handed the ball over, didn't really care about it. He was just sitting there, wasn't he? And, and but like, what's the point of it? If if Sam Mitchell is ready, and I can get that Hawthorne didn't want to lose him, and that's why they've done it, hundred percent. That makes sense. He's a club legend. There's no reason why you couldn't go. Well, we're not putting you into 2023 anyway. Go take Collingwood's job. Go get a couple of years. Set us up over here. Yeah, I just don't. I don't see the. I don't. I don't see the positives in doing it because they're either ready for the job. Or they're not ready. And if they're not ready for the job, then go get an assistant job. Be a trainee somewhere else. Go do that things. You don't need a succession plan. Put a mentorship. Just go sign an agreement and say, I'm not going to sign anywhere as head coach. Go over to another club that you really want to want to see work and say, hey, Sam Mitchell, contact this club. Go be assistant coach there for a season next year. And then you'll have the Hawthorne head coaching job. Now, the difference I see between Sam Mitchell and Nathan Buckley in their playing careers is Sam Mitchell, uh, they're both very good leaders. But Sam Mitchell was a more likable leader. He was he was able to, you know, speak honestly to people, but people would respect him a bit more. Buckley, kind of by himself, kind of a bit arrogant, kind of uh, all about me type stuff. And then when he came in and took over the reins, I think that's what it was. I want to change from Malthouse what he's doing, and it didn't work out. So Mitchell, being that, knowing what success looks like at Hawthorne and at West Coast, 
maybe he can he can change it up. But I think, Source, that Alistair Clarkson coaches somewhere else at the beginning of next year. Oh, interesting. You think it's a, a really quick succession plan? You think now Collingwood to jump all over him and try and to poach him? Or you think hey, someone else picks well, him up as an assistant coach? Collingwood would be stupid not to jump all over him. Or oh, um, GWS, I reckon, uh, give him the phone call this week oh. and say, hey, here we go. Um, Behind Clarko. the boundary exclusive. We've been calling that for two you've years got, now. You've, you've got to, it's got to, something's going <laughs> to happen Something's going to pan out eventually. <laughs> but, but back to what you were saying, Pez, about you know, like how difficult it is. You, and I know this is a little bit of a different context, but you and I did some coaching together. And realistically, you were the head coach. And you and I, we almost, not a succession plan, but we, we coached in tandem. And when it gets down to the ultimate decision and pulling the pin... You always made that final decision. You were the one pulling the pin. You were the one addressing the boys. And, you know, realistically, we were really lucky. We had a good friendship and stuff. And there were, you know, we weren't getting paid big bucks. It wasn't our livelihood. <laughs> we made the wrong call. We let about it. But in this one, Alistair Clarkson, you know, he wants to be part of the rebuild. And now he's been told, hey, you're on the succession plan. To me, that says he wants to still coach. So as you said, he's probably going to end up coaching somewhere else. Sam Mitchell coming in there, I mean, he's a lot different to Nathan Buckley. He's got, what, four premierships under his belt, one as a coach, or five premierships, one as a coach. He's had some real success. Gone to a different club as well. Gone to a different club. Had an apprenticeship. Yep. Proper apprenticeship. Coached his own team. And he's probably ready. And I think all it is is exactly what you said. They've done Alistair Clarkson a bit of a disservice by saying – we're going to do succession plan because we don't want to lose Sam Mitchell, and we don't. But we think don't he, want to disrespect exactly Alice Clarkson. Right. It's in, it's interesting one, Pez. It's actually probably worked in the other way around, and uh, it's worked in Clarko's favour here. Oh, yeah. because he can go out scot free and say, "All right, yeah, you guys don't want me anyway. I'm I'm going to go and look in the best interest for me and my family in the future." But but how easy is the succession plan? And obviously, he wouldn't do it as a professional, but like. When you're losing games, well, that's what that's what you know. Sam has to learn this. Sam has to learn this. We're we're, we're trying different things, but when they're winning. Oh, well. <laughs> well, Clarko can lose every game the rest of this year and lose most games and finish on the bottom of the ladder next year. He's still going to have high value in the market. Yeah, well, well, the only difference is that the playing record, if you're running Sam Sam Mitchell's playing uh, style or their game plan, the losses go on to Alistair Clarkson and not Sam Mitchell. So that's a positive for Sam Mitchell. He doesn't get those losses. Um, we see it in the NBA all the time where, where coaches are out sick and even if they get the win, it goes to the head coach. This is the same regard. But really interesting times over the next, uh, next couple of weeks, especially when... When teams start getting eliminated from finals and, you know, Alistair Clarkson's not going to be a part of finals. Collingwood may not be as well. There's some other clubs there who you may see, you know, lose their coaching staff as the expectations don't go with the talent on their list. So really interesting watch this space. Uh, coach Watcher 2021-22, Pez. Yeah, we love the, we we love love the Coach we Watch. Love, uh, we love a bit of a watch, don't bit, we? A bit over summer. We'll keep a close eye on that. Very interesting and very big news coming out of this week. What we do need to speak about, Source, is... A big round 16 that just happened and it started on the Thursday night with uh, a big, I don't know if it was an upset or not, it must have been, Gold Coast defeating Richmond, which made St Kilda's 40 point win over Richmond not look that great. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's an upset in terms of you're looking at, and we, we spoke about this two weeks ago about Richmond and this time of the year, this is when they sort of click into gear, you know, and a lot of people are saying this is the end of the dynasty and, and it's definitely, take nothing away from Gold Coast Suns, they bought the intensity, they, they controlled the pill early, they did a lot of things early that set them up for a, for a victory. They obviously made some mistakes and they could have put Richmond away a lot a lot um a lot, been, lot quicker in that first quarter. More. But you, you got to take your hats off to, to Gold Coast and their biggest um, win of their career obviously at, at Marvel Stadium under lights Thursday nights against the the reigning premiers but Richmond are in a lot of problems uh, and especially after 
Dimmer came out and said that the, after the week before against the St Kilda loss, he's like, you know, we're going to sit around the round table. We're going to address this. This is not good enough. And, you know, you expected them to respond. You expected them I to come out. I expected them to respond. Uh, and I, I said to you, Pez, I said, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit dubious about it on, on the show because they have been showing some alarming sides. But if this was their time to bounce back, this is what they do. They, they adhere to adversity and they, they take control. But it wasn't to be the case on Thursday night. Oh, it definitely wasn't. And uh, what, do, what has Dimmer said in the past? Uh, there's no, there's no passion at Marvel Stadium. The Richmond don't really want to play there. The people don't really want to go there. You need to beat Gold Coast at Marvel in Melbourne. <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, did, didn't they lose at the, the MCG the week before? Anyway, so um, they don't have any any passion at the moment. I don't know what's going on. They've they've won their three premierships, whatever it is. Uh, write them off at your own peril. They are outside the eight at the moment. They are. Um, with GWS's big win over the weekend. But um, big alarming signs, a positive sign for Gold Coast Suns. But um, for the Gold Coast, you've got to show it earlier in the year and win those games earlier so you're still in the hunt and, and still in the fight. So positive for Gold Coast. They need to keep their list and, and turn over a little bit and come back firing next year to try and compete for the eight. Um, but Richmond, they've still got a lot of talent. Tom Lynch came back for his first game and... Uh, We'll see how they they come out this week. Um, he looked he looked good as well in that forward line. Yeah, it was, he looked like he was going to break that game early. They went to him the first two times. He was just just manhandling the Gold Coast defence. But um, yeah, the lack of effort from that middle Pez, it, they just got opened up. Took Miller was fantastic. He had thirty six. He's been he, he surely you know if Gold Coast as you said had won more games earlier in the year, he's he's putting them on the back on his own back, and he could be up for an All Australian spot. I don't think he'll have the wins to do it, but he's averaging you know thirty and thirty and five clearances a game. He brings the tackling pressure. Your mate King, he kicked four. Um, Ainsworth probably could have had seven or eight. <laughs> he had three or four in early. <laughs> Same kick. with Sexton, um, young bloke Sharp. You know he was in the middle of the of the circle. Um, at the end of the game for his first win, he looked impressive. Um, and, you know, the old, you know, Rankine was, was, was impressive getting some of those um, decent, not not so um, miraculous shots of goal, more the stock standard having a good delivery into that forward line. Yeah, a little bit, little bit about Rankine. I, I noticed one thing that I spoke to you, Sauce, because we watched the game last week, and he's, he's rubbed someone on the head, one of the Richmond players uh, mm. outside, and I said to you, I said, it's not a good look for him. He, he's come in as a, as a young player and he's an exciting player. You've got to earn your stripes to be able to to do things like that, uh, and he hasn't earned them yet. I don't think, uh, especially when he's not performing. Pez, like you know, he came into the league on fire. He had five or six goals in the first couple of weeks. You know, and you and I were all over him, just like any other AFL supporter, because he it's was exciting. exciting to watch. But then he just didn't back it up with, you know, trying to do the miraculous every time and just going to the just need to go the stock standard. And when you're an impressive win, you put yourself in a position to lose that game as well by not putting opportunities away early. You don't need to do that, and especially against the sleeping giant in Richmond. Yeah, and especially when they've come back against teams earlier this year as well. Yeah, Lukosius with 24 disposals, 23 of them kicks. Uh, absolutely amazing there. And Fiorini, the, the forgotten man, 25 disposals. Uh, so he, he's come back into the frame as well. And, probably uh, be out next week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can't seem to get a regular gig, that bloke. But uh, We'll see how he goes there. But the Suns, big upset and more talk probably about Richmond Footy Club this week than the Gold Coast Suns because their season is yeah, over. A, a massive week for them. They've got Collingwood. Um, they, they must win for them. It's, it's, you know, it's in Melbourne. It's, there's no excuses. They, they must win. They must respond. Otherwise, the, the dynasty is, is most likely dead. Yeah, if Collingwood beat them, they don't make finals this, oh, no this way. year. Well, so. they're sitting ninth at the moment. Yeah. So... Um, a lot of 
a lot of good jokes around the social media around them finishing ninth, which is good. But yeah. uh, let's get on to the next game. And it wasn't so much about the scoreline in this one. Geelong had a sort of routine win against Essendon after being challenged early. All the chatter was about Jeremy Cameron, who went into the game with a little bit of tightness in the in the hammy. Uh, went through the warm up in the you know obviously trying to, to see if he could get up and play. The medical expert said, you know, it's it's fifty fifty. They gave him the green light. He gave himself the green light. And uh, went off in that second quarter. Yeah, after kicking three goals, like he's he's Kept super, in the game. <laughs> super important player. Like um, Essendon on fire, kicking the first four, and then Geelong uh, making their way back at a sixty-point turnaround in the end, winning by forty-one points. Uh, disappointing for the Bombers, but you had Jeremy Cameron with three, and he looked like he might come back on when he was when he was off there and he was warming up a little bit. And then they put the ice and strapped the ice, and it was uh, night over. So Hawkins had to stand up. He kicked six goals and. Uh, Geelong, scary, but I, th- I think uh, Geelong need Jeremy Cameron in that side come finals time. Yeah, not only come finals time, Pez, they've got a really, not a tough month, but a but a challenging month in terms of what they need to do in order to, to guarantee a top four spot. They're sitting fifth at the moment because of, uh, you know, the way that the other teams are winning and they, they might sort of slip in there because of the other teams, but they, they can't afford to drop many. They've got a lot of teams coming up over the next month. They've got Carlton who, who are coming up to their review um, and there's some other the challenging games there that you know, not... Not uh, they're not against top size, but they're one of those 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 games that we like. You don't want to drop this game, you know. Um, and with uh, we've spoken about it, this the, the the two players being able to move in and out of your forward line and be able to make you damaging across both sides of the ground is going to be really crucial for Geelong, um, especially as I said, coming into another campaign where expectations on their list this year needs them to finish top four and needs them to be a basically premiership or bust. Yeah, it yeah, pretty much is. But it's good that they got Dangerfield back in the in the side. He played a really good game, probably best on ground for mine. Uh, well, he wasn't. Uh, Darcy Parrish won the country. Man. I don't understand it. <laughs> can, we, can we address this, please, please? Well, Darcy Parrish played an amazing game for Essendon. Okay, he had contested possession after contested possession clearances and, and probably made the scoreline look a little bit better for Essendon. But if your side loses by 41 points, you your best on ground is in the other side. Uh, I mean, he had had 43. He's kicked the ball 23 times, handballed at 20. Had five marks, three tackles, 13 clearances, which was huge, an Essendon record. But, Pez, this is the third time this year that he's won a medal, two of those in losing sides. The one, uh, the Dreamtime match where he he was best on field, um, you know, again, in a a four-goal loss. Yep, (laughs) Dustin Martin or Shea Bolton should have got it. Yep, and, and... to me, is he a sneaky for the Brownlow Pairs? Because if he continually gets these games and he gets noticed, I don't know who's doing the votes, but I don't understand how he continually is winning medals. And, and do you know what I like from Darcy Parrish? He's in disbelief when he gets announced oh, this. When and he, got he hates ch- it because he knows that, hey, I didn't do enough to win. I cannot the most impactful uh, player on the, on, the, on the ground. Stats mean nothing if you don't get the W. Yep. Well, Dangerfield, you look at him. Like, you could understand if... Uh, Parish had 43 and every other player had 20 and no one kicked multiple goals. But Dangerfield had uh, a, a goal, 37 disposals, 11 marks, four tackles as well. Tomahawk had six goals. Six goals won after Cameron goes down in, a, in when your team's down by four goals at the start of the game. Pretty but, important. But their, stat, their stat lines, Darcy and, and Patrick Dangerfield, almost identical. A goal each, you know, six disposals, uh, the difference there. In terms of marks, Patrick pa- uh, Dangerfield had 11 marks. Darcy Parrish had five tackles, three and four clearances, thirteen and eleven. Like the games are almost identical. There's six, you know, and take a if you do goal assist as well. Dangerfield had one more on him. Like I'm not saying that Dangerfield deserved the medal. I'm just saying that Darcy he Parrish did. didn't deserve it. No, I don't care who else wins it, but you can't have someone from the losing team by over forty points, Pez. I get that when because they're, they're not making impact. They're just getting the pill. I, 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 I don't like Come it. Brownlow night. Who's getting the three votes? Well, he, he should be getting the three votes then. He has to. He's that, not. 
He's not. Surely not. Dangerfield or he'll get a vote. He'll get a vote or two, and Dangerfield and Hawkins will be the other two players in that in that three, two, one round sixteen. Mark it down. But I, I think it has to be Dangerfield. I'll put Hawkins as two, and I'll put Parrish as one. But that's what happens when you get media personnel doing it. It just shows you how much they um, don't understand the impact of the game, which is really disappointing because a lot of them are past players. And then the people, the commentators, when after the game, they're even surprised about it too sometimes. I think they get so, you know, you know, we talked about the Essendon game against Richmond, how much they spoke about Darcy Parrish breaking records throughout the whole game. By the end of the game, that's, that's what happens. They, it's they what happened, into it. It's what happened Friday night exactly as well right. because of the clearances. Yeah, so they were going for his record. Oh, it's an Essendon record. He must have played an amazing game. Which, he which, did. Which he did. He, he played did. an amazing game. Don't, don't get us wrong there. And the other thing that annoyed me about the commentary team is they're going on in the fourth quarter about oh. Nick Cox. When, uh, the game's dead. I already, already said that before on the podcast, before the game source on the we Wednesday, Wednesday night, that um, Nick Cox is a young player and, you know, he's not as impressive as people make him out to be at the moment. He needs to develop a little bit. Um, and you know what's funny? I spoke to an Essendon... I went and watched a, um, the game with an Essendon supporter and he said the exact same thing. He's like, these kids are going to be good, but the expectation just needs to be dropped a little bit. Like getting, you know, 10, 15 touches. You know, he didn't get a touch in the first half, basically. He looks fatigued. He looks tired. And we see this all the time with young sides. The difference is that, you know, they come into the side, they made impact straight away, and now they're starting to fatigue. Give them a break. Give them a couple of years. Essendon aren't making finals this year. The Let's, media think they are. They're not. They're not making finals this year. six wins. If they can finish, you know, as I said, I had them at the bottom four, you had them bottom four. They need to finish around that, you know, that 10th, 11th, 12th mark. That's a success for Essendon. That gives you great stout going into next season. Gives you some momentum. you got some reps under these kids' belts. All positives. Yeah. Don't 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 blow up the the kids' confidence with this expectation that they need to make an impact straight away and they need to maintain that um, that impact going forward over a whole season. They're not going to win enough games to make finals. No. We know that they're they're twelfth. So just uh, get off the bandwagon there. The next game, which oh. was really really good, big call. Uh, with the GWS floating out to five bucks, we both made that call, Pez, that we said said GWS. This is the this is their time, but I think more questions are have gone unanswered about Melbourne. I don't understand why people aren't talking about Melbourne. This is the third time that they have lost to a team outside of the eight. They've only had three losses. All three of those teams, when they started the game, were outside the eight. There's massive alarm bells, and especially with you know Melbourne's last month. I think that what Western Bulldogs did to them has really blown up and shown them how to beat Melbourne by slowing that game and making them turn over. They looked, they looked back to their old days, Melbourne. They're in absolute panic, panic stations. They've uh, brought in Ben Brown on the, on the team list to try and get some more stability in that forward line and some more scoring power there because they've just got Fritch uh, trying to do the job by himself um, in there. You've got Neil Bullen who always um, goes in, Cosy Pickett sometimes, and then Tom McDonald who, you know, he's hit and miss. If you're winning by four or five goals, Tom McDonald will pop up, kick two or three. But if, you, if you're losing, Tom McDonald will go missing. So uh, big issues there, especially when it comes to finals and you're playing against the good teams. Are they going to get themselves up? Are they going to do this? Um, big win for the Giants. They have dropped a few this year that they probably shouldn't have dropped. Early in the season, they were really, really poor. And they drew to North Melbourne when they had an opportunity to steal that game down in Tasmania as well. So their percentage doesn't really matter, but they're inside the eight now. They could actually be own overtake West Coast. But, but Perry, it sounds so simplistic in this. GWS, and we've been saying this for, for how many years, Pez? When their players play well, 
they win games and they're very hard to beat. Kelly had 29. Tarano had 28. You know, the youngster in Tom Green, he's been fantastic. Got sent back to the reserves last week and automatically comes back and responds. He had 25. Callum Ward had 24. You know, Toby Green, our man, he had three goals and looked like he was probably, probably should have had five or six the way he was playing. And only seven disposals. But <laughs> the impact he had. It, it's the impact, Pez. And, and those players, when they're up and about and they're running around and they're, and they're making those impact, they work hard. They're playing for each other. They look good. They need to get that on a more consistent basis. Oh, they definitely do, but it's a big game uh, coming up, and I can't wait to speak about it. Uh, coming up in in the bet slip is Melbourne versus Port Adelaide. Uh, absolutely massive stakes uh, in this one for a lot of clubs in, involved. So Geelong will be watching on uh, very eagerly as well, uh, Brisbane as well. So, um, so what's what's wrong while well, we're on this before we get onto it? So what's wrong with Melbourne? Like why why are they the last month? Why have they really dropped off? Question without notice, Pez. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, I, I haven't believed in Melbourne all year, as, as the listeners will know. And they won, what, nine in a row? Mm-hmm. And then they lost one, and then they kept winning, and then they were sitting on top of the ladder, should have beaten GWS, still be sitting on top of the ladder, a game clear. Um, until they prove something to me in finals, I'm not um, going to believe in them, because I, I just don't believe in, in their list at the moment, having uh, what they have. You've got Petrarca, that needs to have a massive impact every game for them to win. You've got Gorn, who probably needs to push forward. It still comes down. They've got a really good defence, so I'm happy with their defence. I'm happy with their halfbacks. You've got Salem and Langdon. Fantastic. I'm not happy Salem with their forward fantastic. line. I, I, I still struggle to see where their goals are coming from. And if they can integrate Ben Brown, they've kept it a bit late now, Sauce, because mm. they have to try and integrate him to be their main goal kicker, give them two or three a game, and they've only got six rounds left to do it. Yeah, and they're coming up against the Port Adelaide side that deal with um, tall forwards quite well. You know, you've seen them, they've seen that against Geelong, you've seen that against some of the other teams there. They they, they sort of, you know, got got exposed a little bit by um, by Brisbane. But they've handled tall forwards quite well, Port Adelaide. Especially and, a tall forward that can't take a contested mark. Well, he runs in, runs in a straight line. So, like, what it does bringing Ben Brown in for this game, and we're sort of talking about the, you know, the future here a little bit, is it puts, like, Bailey Fritch, who, when he He's able to just roam. He, he's quite good to watch, and he's quite a deceiving sort of body. He's a high draft pick for them. I think he's picked up seventh deceiving, or seventh or eighth. Deceiving player. He's a we'll deceiving stop. player. He kicked three on the weekend, and he seems to have a great pair of hands. He, he has a great goal sense, and he, he plays a lot taller than he does. But what Ben Brown does coming into that forward line, that throws him in disarray and panic stations for five weeks. He either needs to be integrated earlier or you persist and you work out why the ball is not getting into that forward line and you're not scoring goals. It's, it's panic stations. That's what it is. That's yep. why you're bringing him in in Very a alarming. big game against Port Adelaide. So uh, we'll see how they go tonight. I'm interested to see what you think of that game as well coming up. Uh, the next game was a bit of a blowout, the Adelaide versus uh, Brisbane there with Brisbane winning by 52 points. Yeah, I mean, we, we sort of predicted this was going to be ha- this was going to happen. It was a bit of a non event for how much chatter was going on about where this game was being played, and they thought that you know the extra travel from both teams were were going to you know affect Brisbane. But Brisbane are the best team in the league at the moment. Uh, they've been the most consistent. They've knocked off uh, what three of the four top sides in the league, uh, and they they put on an absolute display. They they overpowered the Crows. They had a fifty two point win um, against a team that realistically has shown signs of improving, but they are a bottom four side. To me, this was exactly what you needed to what needed to happen you know Zach Bailey was fantastic he had uh, three goals nine clearances and 26 touches and um, he's, a, he's a gun <laughs> oh, where's he he's the barometer from? barometer he, he is a jet now the barometer was off uh, off injured I think. <laughs> you can't call yourself a barometer there Pez and not uh, not play but Brisbane are just ticking along um, you know Jared Lyons was fantastic don't understand how he got uh, overweight to, to Brisbane he had 31 Mitch Robinson you know 27 26 from Zach Bailey as we just Mitch mentioned. Robinson is barometer he is, yeah, that he is. is a barometer. 
But, you, but it's their but it's their forward line pairs. McCarthy had four. Bailey had three. Cameron had three. Danaher had um, two. McStay had two. It, they've always got four or five blokes that just snap up for two goals. Yeah, and, Hipwood didn't score. No, and he doesn't have to. He doesn't need. We're to. in a Melbourne forward line. Bailey Fritch has to score multiple goals for them to win a match. Yep. So yeah. it does, doesn't have to happen at Brisbane. No, no, it doesn't at all. And Tex Walker going off early didn't really help the Crows early for that game. But um, it, w- it was disappointing for, for, for the Adelaide fans, but uh, a really strong and impressive win. And there's not really much to talk about in this game, Pez, because it was pretty routine. Uh, the, the bookies definitely had it wrong in this one, an extremely low line. Um, but a, a very impressive win from the Lions. And they're putting themselves in the right position, winning away from home. And we don't know how many games they're going to get at home with the Queensland government. They are looking forward to, to getting back into the state of Queensland, not necessarily the Gabba this week, but yep, Metricon. So uh, they'll be there this week. Yeah, it's 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 look, it's it's a routine win that they need to do, and this is what we spoke last week. Coming into finals, these teams you need to be smacking these teams to get your confidence up, to get the reps into these kids, to get the the possessions up, and to get you know the, your goal scorers scoring goals. Yep, and boosting that percentage up a little bit so they can be over the other teams there. Um, next game was uh, Fremantle versus Carlton uh, on the schedule. Carlton ended up winning by uh, 16 points, and they, they had him at the start of the game source where Carlton just got the jump on him, and then Fremantle. And a big problem for them this season is they couldn't kick a goal. Yeah, they couldn't kick a goal, uh, but Carlton were fantastic, led by uh, Paddy Dow, who had 11 disposals, six clearances in that opening quarter, um, and set himself right up. Uh, Fremantle missed the jump, Pez, and if the game had been played for an extra quarter, they, they probably would have beaten them, but they missed that jump, and they just couldn't get back. It was actually a really entertaining game. It was, it was, it you got not, back to a draw in the, it, in the last quarter. Minus that first quarter, Pez, Fremantle really will be upset at themselves, because obviously with Rich, Richmond dropping a game and the GWS Giants having that draw in there, they could, they could sneak into the finals, but this loss makes it really hard they travel to Tassie this week they're probably not going to get that win in Tassie but it's 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 frustrating as a, as a Fremantle supporter you must be watching this saying why do we continually not being able to get on the board like and I know that they had no forward line Tabernar was out but you just got to get a bit, bit, bit of delivery to your forwards it doesn't matter who your forwards are better delivery needs to happen first quarter four behind second quarter four behinds third quarter seven behinds yeah, and they had four goals, seven. It was an absolutely dominant performance in that third quarter. They probably should have had a bit of a lead, but mm-hmm. uh, they just didn't allow that to happen. And uh, credit to Carlton, who who got the win. And um, if it was at Fremantle's home game and it wasn't COVID, Fremantle will get that win pretty easily, you would imagine. So uh, Carlton get another one and uh, are lucky to get away with the one there. But um, at the moment, you've got Fremantle still in with a shot. A sneaky shot if they can, you know, win win games at home and and steal one from away, but that rubs out Carlton anyway. They've they've well, won okay. a few games in a row. It doesn't rub them out though, Pez, because it comes at a timely sort of uh, place to have a review. You know, when they've taken on the bottom half of the fixture and they've put some gettable wins in there. That's back to back wins since they've had um their they've started their review. Does you know do do they keep their coach? Does Teague keep keep his gig? Yeah, he's you know? a great coach now because they had some wins. They've had some wins, but they, they haven't been impressive. Uh, and again, this was one of those games where you looked in that fourth quarter and you said, "Oh, Carlton's gonna you know the old saying clips are gonna clip. The Blues are gonna blue here, mate, because they looked like they were going to get overrun by Fremantle. But as you said, inaccuracy cost the Dockers. Mate, the Pussycats this week they've got the got oh, Carlton. I'm not. I'm it not can like, be a danger game. Oh, it is a massive danger. What game Geelong need to do? You look at the percentage. They're one percent behind Port Adelaide. We need to win Port they play tonight. They need to just go out and win by 50, 60 points against Carlton. It should be. We, strug- um, we struggle against Carlton. We always struggle against Carlton. It should be easy enough for them to do. And uh, 
we'll see how we go. But yeah, I, don't, I think Carlton are, are out of the race. They're, they're the same boat as Essendon. They've won six games for the year, dropped games in the earlier that they shouldn't. Um, probably more developed list than Essendon, but just not performing either. The next game was uh, the big celebration, Sean Burgoyne's 400th game. Uh, came out with all his kids and had the, had oh, the banner and stuff. Absolutely fantastic. amazing and, and beautiful and, and great to hear the stories and the interviews of him uh, all week leading up to it. And Channel 7 did a great job as well uh, on the telecast before the game. So... Uh, big congratulations there. 400 games. Source, a question without notice. Do you think a player will ever reach 400 again? Yeah, I think they, I think it will, especially with the sub rule. Current player? Current player. Uh, Darcy Parrish will go close. He started... He played, oh, jeez, you've got a young current player. There Darcy you Parrish will go really close because he played 22 in his first year and half of those were at age 17. He seems durable. He doesn't get injured a lot. Like um, I actually said that when he when he first started because he can get those reps in. And Essendon, they've already got a, another 400 uh, gamer there, so they know that they like to stay reliable with Fletcher. So, uh, yeah, I'm calling him. <laughs> yeah, I think if it does happen, it's going to be uh, one of the old-timers at the moment uh, running around, but I don't think it will happen. I think who, who do you think is probably the, the next one? Well, probably like Joel Selwood. Would he, he'd be at three... Something three something. Oh, what Pendlebury? I don't think will Pendlebury probably won't make it through. Monday won't make it because he's thirty five, (laughs) thirty six. So. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. But what did happen in the game is Hawthorne kept with them for uh, a couple of minutes early, early on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the festivities of stuff sort of, <laughs> that was about it there, Pez. And then Port Adelaide just kicked away and the scoreline does, it didn't really do it justice. Port Adelaide went winning by 34 points, but it, they were up by a hell of a lot more earlier in that game, just kicking goal after goal. It started with uh, Marshall where he should have kicked the goal, to the opening goal, and he hit the post and then uh, Bruce from a, a tackle that was... He ducked, I thought, and, and got a higher kick. And Bruce, you know, he's a smart player and does that. And he got the first goal for Hawthorne and they were up and about. But Port Adelaide just went bang, bang, bang. Your man Charlie Dixon kicking four. Marshall with multiples, with Mays, Bergman, and then Bruce for Hawthorne all kicking two. Yeah, it was. they piled it on nine consecutive goals starting from the, 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 the end of the first quarter into the third quarter. They, they looked impressive. Um, you know, Hawthorne, we, we, everyone saw this game going this way. And there was the amount of tipsters that tipped Hawthorne thinking they're going to get up. The list just isn't good enough. Hawthorne saw a scalp and they, they can see that, you know, whilst it is just uh, beating Hawthorne who are down the sort of the bottom of the ladder, this was a big win for them because this is something that, you know, you can easily get dismantled by you know, when there's big celebrations and the crowds behind it and there's all that press leading up to it but it was, I think what helped them was that you know he was obviously a champion of their club as well 150 games for them and a premiership um, and it was great to see you know him getting ca- cheered off from uh, from both clubs um, it, it, was, it was look they did it fantastically the routine win pairs these yep. are the wins that, that we know Port Adelaide do tonight is where the big test is against Melbourne at home, uh, and I don't want to talk too much, you know, without discrediting sort of what, what they did on the weekend, but it, it, it means nothing realistically. They need to win, you know, the big games. They need to prove something to, to the AFL. Uh, well, not the AFL, but all the, all the fans <laughs> they out there. Otherwise they, they're out. They, they, they need to prove something and beat a team that's in contention. Um, talk about contention. Uh, West Coast Eagles. Yeah, just, bef- just before you get onto that, Pez, just uh, checked your, your games record. So David Mundy, 347. Eddie Betts, 344. Pendlebury, 331. And Joel Selwood, 325. So out of those four players, who you, you think can probably... Selwood. Probably Selwood. To you know. play the most games out of them. Yeah. And then you got Franklin, who's sitting at 311, who probably could have been at the 400 club if he didn't miss yeah. <laughs> so many so many games. What, he missed five years or something? Five yeah. years, basically. <laughs> Still got another seven left on the on the contract. But we get a perfect little segue there, Pez, because, wow. 
when well, I mean, we predicted that Sydney were going to win, Pez, but you did not. Um, it was it was just a dismantlement. They didn't even look in the game. They piled on goals early, Sydney, and you know they thrashed West Coast. And you know everyone's talking about the death of the dynasty in terms of Richmond. This is a really really concerning. This is back to back weeks that they've been flogged. Not only flogged, but their game style and their game plan has been just picked apart. And and Sydney were extremely impressive, a ninety two point winners, Pez, but. Alarm bells are going for Adam Simpson here. Like it's at the lowest score that they've ever had. He's had in his coaching career since 2014. Uh, a score of nine in the score in the first half. It was. There's no positives for West Coast. In this. I, I still look around the thing, and on on the podcast last Wednesday, I was actually leaning towards West Coast. Oh no, source. You, uh, you picked him in the line early on. You picked him in the I line. Picked him in the yeah. line, and then come game time, come. Uh, I don't remember if it was Saturday or Sunday. I was, was speaking to you, game? and we we're yep. like, "Yep, yeah, it's Sydney." Sydney have this win. They're really good value. Um, and and Sydney will have this. I didn't think it would be 90, 92 points. It could, have been, it could have been more too. They sort of put the cues in the rack there and they tried to get Buddy Franklin a couple more goals in that for fourth quarter, Pez. But you look at the <laughs> list and you look at the lineup and, and you can't do that anymore with West Coast because you've got so many premiership players there and they just didn't perform at all to get done by 92 points. And uh, they didn't score over a goal in the first half and they, they didn't really score... Much after that, Dom Sheed had thirty-seven. Didn't really lead to much. Tim Kelly's in the middle. Elliot Yo, you've got um, Luke Shuey in there. That's a really good midfield. If you said that to someone, and you go, they had a team with this midfield with Nick Natnui rucking, with Josh Kennedy up forward, uh, with Tom Barras down back, Jeremy McGovern down back, and they lost by ninety-two points. Yeah, you they wouldn't believe it. You couldn't believe it, Pez. But but I think. You know, and I spoke about this at the start of the season, Pez. I said this list is aging, and their game style. Itty. I think last year was a lot more taxing than people people put down to West Coast. You know, there were a lot of those older blokes last year that they really struggled and everyone was saying, oh, well, you know, it was a COVID year. But like them being away for as long as they were, not being able to have the 11 free games that they get at Optus Stadium, really, really put a, put a mental effect on them. They are now under the pump all the time, constantly. Like those older players, and yes, they've been hit by injuries, but they invested a lot in when they went away with Tim Kelly and some of the other players there. They, they, they threw away a couple of draft picks. They've put a lot into this. There's a lot more pressure than meets the eye with West Coast, and they cop it from their whole state as well. We don't get the immediate attention here. They would be copping it left, right, and centre, and it's going to be really tough for, 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 for um, West Coast. Yeah, bad record, and we saw in the documentary, the Amazon documentary they AFL last season, West Coast are a team that hated the hub and just refused to play good footy yep. and, and didn't want to had a sook and didn't want to do that. So were they having a sook going down to GMHBA? A couple of times this year, they lost by 90 points, 90 plus at GMHBA. But, uh, but I don't think it's just a sook about going down there, Pez. Like their state's going into lockdown and they haven't had the lockdown like Victoria has. They haven't properly understood it. They've been allowed to have fans there. This is all new territory to them. Yes, they've played in hubs before, but it's a little bit different when you're playing in a hub knowing that you're going to get 12 games back into the year for free. Yeah, it's not happening. They don't have them this year. And, you know, if they make finals, they might not get a home final, which, which you know, I don't think they're going to make finals anyway. I said that at the start of the year. But it, I think it's more than just the, them sucking their pairs. I think there's a mental state to it as well. There has to be something mental. And uh, they're becoming the second second team ever in the AFL source to lose two games in a season at GMHBA. No, oh, good. You can <laughs> play them down there more. <laughs> It's interesting that, you know, and uh, Adam Simpson was asked about the uh, press conference after about, um, you know, what it is about GMHBA. I think it's such an unfair question. Obviously, the ground dimensions are extremely different. You know, Optus is such a large ground and it's almost a third of its size, GMHBA. And the other unfair aspect is you've been playing Geelong, who, you know, I think they've won 80-something percent of the last 10 years. They're their home and away games. 
they're, they're not losing down there. Like, it's a ridiculous thing to ask, but the, the dimensions and the game style definitely isn't suited for Geelong. Well, uh, you know, you, a team that you think West Coast is still trying to fight for the eight. The next game, you've got Collingwood and St Kilda, two teams that uh, you probably I'll call that they're out of it and out of contention with St Kilda having a really tough draw uh, to end the year. This was a very one-sided affair, very uh, great defence by St Kilda, not so great um, offence uh, where they, they couldn't uh, take advantage of all their turnovers that they were getting from Collingwood. But Collingwood just looked really, really poor. And then... Uh, you, the game's putting you to sleep. St Kilda are up by, what, 49 points? And then uh, you wake up and they're won by nine points. And Colin would have come back and come back by 40 points in that last quarter. Piers, I found this game really hard to watch. It was so terrible in that slow. first quarter. It was slow. It was so... Like Robert Harvey was playing so conservative. Like, they just didn't want to make any mistakes. And, you know... They didn't want to attack. They just no. wanted to defend. But they, but they didn't even really want to defend. It was just like, let's maintain the possession. It was a typical, like, under-10s basketball game where the ball just continually is passed around. Turnover, pass. Turnover, pass. Like, or, or stoppage football where they just all jumped on it. But... The Saint, the Saints were impressive, Pez, because they they got a, a you know must needed win. They backed up the, the the talk from the chatter from last week against Richmond, uh, an impressive win probably for three quarters. Uh, the last quarter when Robert Harvey sort of said let just just run and just you know, take the game on. You're allowed to do that's what you want. That's two weeks in a row where their last quarters they've been impressive. That's what Robert Harvey needs to do all. Yeah, maybe maybe do it all the time. Uh, Bradley Hill uh, was super impressive with uh, plenty of disposals. He got thirty for only I think the second time in his career. Um, he was everywhere and and running, getting the one twos. Brad Crouch is always Luke Dunstan in there Jack Steele had 36 with 14 tackles the tackle machine uh, over there for Collingwood Adams had 34 so he's a really important piece Dugowie had 32 in the midfield kicked one goal two uh, it, was, it was pretty disappointing from him actually I thought a 32 in one game it would usually be pretty good but I thought he, he didn't have that big of an impact um, as he should have in terms of goals you had Max King and memory and my check that is and, huge and that is huge two. pairs Max King kicking two goals in a win Back-to-back weeks where he's kicked, you know, multiple goals in, in impressive wins. That is what he needs. We know he can get his hands on the pill. We know he's, a, a, you know, he can get shots on goal. But uh, that's really impo- important for him. Oh, he needs he needs that for confidence. Um, Membry is a really, really important piece. He, he also goes down back as well for St. Kilda at the end of quarters. Um, Majacek was really quiet and got the two goals in the last quarter. Um, and Paddy Ryder um, was instrumental in the ruck. And I'm, I'm going to call it one of the... Probably one of the best tap ruckmen I've seen since the, the 2010s. Paddy Ryder? Yeah. Oh, he, he was fantastic. And, and what makes him, like, he has so much control over the the ball. You know, St Kilda has reaped the benefits of last year, and you're starting to see it when he's back in the side. He's also, you know, I still remember watching him with a game with you, uh, with you when he was playing for Port Adelaide. Oh, yeah, and one of the games back to Robbie He Green. has so much control. And they took it apart in, uh, I think it was the third quarter where they analysed it. They put it on an absolute platter to crouch for him. You know, they knew exactly where he wanted it. He, You know, he missed the tap a little bit, so that it was a little bit behind him. But when you've got a midfield up and running and you're getting first delivery of the ball, pairs, and you're getting it exactly where you want it and you can see the field like that, he's, the, he's got to be the master of that little that little tap behind because, yeah, yeah I agree with you, Pez. In the last five happening. years, one of the best tap ruckmen. 100%. And uh, just one player I did want to mention who's been reinvigorated uh, in the St Kilda forward line over the last few weeks is Ben Long, who was, you know, he lives uh, the game on the edge and he's, he's really rough and chooses to bump um, when he probably shouldn't and things like that. But him being in the forward line, he kicked zero three, So he's having ping shots at goal. But he is really aggressive at the footy and really wants to win the footy. And it actually helps St Kilda forward line. So I think that's a really good move uh, from Brett Ratton at the moment. And Ben Long up forward is looking all right. 
yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's good to see that that you know that hasn't uh, sort of depleted him away from attacking the ball hard, and you know put him in the forward line. He's had a little bit more self control. There was, I think, there was one incident where it looked like he was going to uh, absolutely murder someone, uh, and he was able to have that resistance, and he was able to you know put it towards a to a St Kilda goal. I think it ended in. Speaking of goals, Pez. We get on to the last game of the round, uh, and I don't think this is much... Another non-event. Not, no, there's not really much to talk about here. Um, the, the Doggies took on um, North Melbourne, and they sort of just dominated them for most of the game. Um, North Melbourne were able to keep Brewster to, to under 10 goals, which was which was fantastic for them, but uh, not much really to talk about here. Cody Whiteman was um, exciting in that first quarter, piled on three sort of three, three goals. Um, uh, the, probably the big news is Aaron Norton. Landed, yeah. landed on his head, a little bit of a reckless sort of um, a self-inflicted concussion. He'll be out for 12 days. Really, really um, tough for them, especially for the 21-year-old who's been in pretty decent form and he looks like he's ready to explode. But he'll be missing against the, the Swans this week at Marvel. Really, really crucial game. And game, yeah. What's even more crucial is that if he continues to launch it himself like this, this is the second time he's done this in his career where he's sort of self-inflicted concussion. He could do this in a final, Pez, and he's an integral part of their forward line. He really sets up their structure. He allows them to get shots on goal. Um, and he is not – I don't want to use the word barometer, but when he's up and about, everyone in that forward line is up and about. He's word of the month, barometer. Barometer. Just say it one more time. But yeah. <laughs> really crucial for the, the doggies for him to, to get himself right. Oh, 100%. I think uh, Mitch Wallace has just come back into the side. He kicked three. He's licking his lips, isn't he? And he's sitting there going, all right, I've got another shot now with with Norton out. I was our main forward last season, and uh, I'm back here ready to go. Um, And Liberatore, another 25 disposals, two goals, two, and he's he's re-signed to the end of 2023. So the Bulldogs re-signed, Bontempelli and Liberatore. Two massive signings moving forward, but... Don't think about the future. You just got to think about this year in the finals for, for the Bulldogs. Yeah. Um. So hopefully he can get back. Um. No. Nothing else really to talk to. Zerha was impressive for two weeks in a row. He'll probably, um, have a nice little contract waiting for him. Uh, and hopefully, you know, North can sort of lock him down. And they are building their pairs. Another week that we say that for North Melbourne, a win is beating the line. The line was fifty five, and, and they they got within that. So, it's good that they're they're continually improving and they're they're starting to be more competitive for longer parts in the game. Yeah, and uh, you, North Melbourne, their uh, start of the year really, really struggled. And as you said, they're, they're getting within the lines and the line was huge at 55, 55 yeah. or whatever it was at the start. So uh, that was great, great gift for punters out there. And speaking about punters source, we need to review our bet slip from round 16. Soft review. It's no official review. How does it end? We don't know. They kind of lost, but they won as well. And Pez, I've been looking forward to this all week. I can't believe Orson, the first thing off the top of the show that we've been talking about. Pez, I can't believe you didn't talk about it. Pez, Pez, what did I say last week? I called it. We had to perform. We had to perform. We're backs against the wall. We, we, we did what Richmond should have. We did what St Kilda has been doing the last couple of weeks. Pez, we bounced back and we responded. And geez, did we ever have a massive, massive round 16. Oh, the individual rounds are just <laughs> absolutely crazy. And uh, just before we even get into the, the green ticks here, Source, I only staked $135 because I had so many bonus bets from round 16 <laughs> when I had that uh, shocking round. I returned $272, Source, for a return on investment of 101.48% and took my season ROI to 7.86%. So, uh, it's not bad. Up, it's up, not bad. <laughs> up above... <laughs> Up above that, I had the emoji of just the sand in the umbrella last week. Now there's a little bit of water. Yeah, I got a bit of bone to pick with you. <laughs> I've finally overtaken you, and I'm, I'm, it doesn't matter whether I'm beating you. But 
Well, my, my emoji, I've just got water. Why? Why? Surely I'm building something, Pez. You're, you're not building you're, something. You're yeah. at 5% and had your own bloody little bank or hospital or that something. Was 15, that was 15% when I was sitting. Oh, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed, Pez. I was sitting up at 30% uh, uh, this year, wasn't I? Yeah, a bit of a fall from grace there, Pez, but uh, not for me, Pez, because I saw saw your uh, buildings crumbling over there <laughs> and I uh, <laughs> got motivated. I didn't want to be out in my ass like you on the beach by yourself. Uh, so I staked uh, 235, including a live bet that you uh, have cheekily amended there, Pez, onto the I the do amend it. I actually missed it. A bit of a late one. So returns for the round, $476.28, an ROI of 102.67%. And Pez... For the year, I am coming home strong. $2,705 staked, returned $2,954.54. And Pez, getting the double cobras out. Yeah, the pythons are up, mate, because 9.22%. And I am sitting where I need to, Pez. At the end of the season, that's where I am. Condolences at top. At top. Condolences to me for having to deal with this, uh, this idiot <laughs> oh, yeah. throughout. Giving yourself, giving yourself the old condolences. <laughs> No, we do need to get into the round pairs. And the first game for both of us was a bit of a condolence because uh, we both had uh, it wrong in this one. I missed uh, my first game in the Gold Coast versus Tigers games. Though I was confident that the Tigers uh, were going to struggle against Gold Coast and happy with the line, I didn't put any of those lines into my yeah, uh, to bet. unfortunate. I went with a couple of defenders in uh, Jaden Short and, and McIntosh to get 15 and 20. Uh, Short couldn't get his 20 and Shea Bolton to get 20 as well. Uh, so missed out 25. That was my donation for the round pairs. Yeah, well, I, I had a bonus bet on this, just a $25 one. I had Richmond line minus 26.5 and the overs of over 139.5, which got up. But uh, Richmond just didn't show up, didn't perform. So I lost that bonus bet. But I also lost my multi on that Thursday night source. <laughs> with uh, I had Richmond minus 10.5. Couldn't get over the line there. So uh, multi dead, that dead. Not a great start to round 16. Not a great start, but Pez, we've seen it before. Just because you lose the first one doesn't mean you can't have a great round. And I started things off on the Friday night with fashion. My cat's taking on S and I had Parfit to get 15. I had the cats to win and over 146.5, which I did have hand in my, uh, sorry, my heart in my mouth for in that oh. last quarter because it was getting close. I didn't think it was going to make it when it was starting to rain, but I absolutely saluted there, Pez. Made it pretty easy. $50 on the nose, $2.09 odds and returned $104.50 to start things off and to, you, to get up and about. you got to love it when you get a max bet down oh, early in the it. round. It comes up and you're just ready to fly for the rest of the round. Uh, I didn't have a bet in that game source, so we moved to Melbourne and Giants. Now, we said that uh, I called the Giants victory and I did put my money where my mouth is. Uh, cheeky. And I got a little bit cheeky oh. because uh, a green tick to a cheeky, which is was $8.25 get. I had Greater Western Sydney to win. My man Christian Salem for 20 or more disposals and Toby Green for two or more goals. He had a goal within 20 seconds. Source there, uh, ten dollars. I turned it into eighty two fifty and started uh, laughing for around six. Yeah, and you should be Pez. It was a very impressive victory, and uh, um, you should have put the max on it because that's what we spoke about. Is the the max bet uh, the Giants? We both liked them. You put your money where your mouth is. I missed out by one leg. Uh, Nick Haynes had his fifteen. Toby Green, as you said, he kicked one in the first, and he kicked one in the second as well to give him two or more goals. Unfortunately, though, he only had seven touches, mm. uh, so he didn't get his fifteen. But I escaped with a bonus bet, which I've used very wisely this round, Pez. <laughs> oh, I'd hope so. I hope you use that use that very wisely. Uh, the next game. Now we discussed this. There were no odds out for this game source, no. so that's why we didn't uh, even know where the game was going to be played. No, so that's why we both jumped on the live bet. Isn't it? We did. Uh, yeah. we, we, we didn't have a line for this one, and that's where I went, is I thought that the line was going to be, I said to you on the pod, I said it'd probably be about 27, 28, and uh, it was down at 23 and a half, and I loved that line. I put on a live bet, $25 on that, and uh, you know the line's got it done, and it was another tick for me. 
Yeah, green tick. You like that? A twenty-two fifty, nice get. Uh, I put the max on here, and I was really happy with this. And then in the first half, I wasn't so happy with it. <laughs> uh, I had the overs at over one hundred and sixty point five. I thought that was quite low. It was a, a good weather over there at Adelaide Oval, and then humid cluggage for twenty or more are very easy, and Brisbane to win very easy. Wasn't so easy the overs, but it eventually got up and over the line source. That was a two dollars seventy nine odds. And when you got the max on two dollars seventy nine, it returns one hundred and thirty nine fifty. So you really like that. You do like that, Pez. Uh, I steered cleared in the next one with the the Carlton versus Fremantle, and lucky it was because I was leaning towards Fremantle, as we spoke in that uh, review, as they were unable to get the job done. So no bet for me in that one. Yeah, I thought um, my little bet of Fremantle one to thirty nine at two dollars fifty. I thought it was good value because they did have a chance to play over at Optus Stadium with no crowd, and they probably would have got the got the job done. And uh, we found out on the, the the Thursday or the Friday that they weren't playing there and they were playing in Melbourne, a home game at the MCG for Fremantle. So not a great bet in hindsight there, but uh, they still had their chances to win, as we said in that um, thing, kicking 15 behinds in the first three quarters and uh, Carlton getting over the line by uh, 15 points, a a bonus bet of $20 there uh, gone astray. Yeah, that's disappointing, Pez. But uh, next one, it was the week of the cheekies, Pez, because uh, I got a cheeky up as well, and I'm not going to push the button because I just scraped through on the rule here, <laughs> the $5, uh, $5.50 bet. Uh, Travis spoke to get 25 Port Adelaide line, 19.5, which was money for jam. And Charlie Dixon, as I said, Pez, uh, the Hawks really struggle against teams that have a big forward, and he kicked four or more, and it's uh, the seventh time this season that Hawthorne have allowed someone to kick four or more goals. And you said it, you did it, you chose it. You'll, no. see, it, you'll see it again this round, Pez. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty, so there you go. Nice little tick. Nice fifty-five dollars there. Now my one was a little bit, a uh, little bit different. I had the Port Adelaide line, and I only had the bonus on it. I looked at the line later, source. It was minus sixteen and a half, and I thought I can't, I can't let this line go. So I've, I've just put a couple of other legs in it, and thought legs that will definitely get up. We'll go Carl Eamon for twenty. So he had around 27 disposals, very easy. The line, as I said, 16 and a half. And I put Scrimshaw, my man, in there for 20 plus disposal. He had 29 last week and uh, didn't touch the footy pretty much in the first half no. and uh, cost me my max there. So my, my round could have been a lot better. And what I should have done in hindsight, as we say, is a wonderful thing. Uh, just gone the, the safer option of the Port Adelaide line when that is it was free money, I thought. Free money. And from one live bet that didn't do too well to one live bet that did extremely well. In the next game, Pez, as you said in the uh, review show that we spoke about this on the Sunday, and I was all over Sydney and I put the max live bet on Sydney head-to-head, Callum Mills to get 20 and Luke Parker to get 25. They all saluted very easily in the third quarter with a 92-point victory. Little ripper of a bet there, (laughs) Pez. A live bet, 275 odds, returned 137.50. And if you were following online and exclusively to our Twitter, you definitely would have been rewarded. I thought it was a dog. No, I don't know what that is. That's, <laughs> that, that's you chomping at the bit trying to get inside to the, well, on, on the island. Chihuahua at the front or something, but it wasn't. It was uh, a saw, someone uh, cutting something there. But um, my bet, I actually hated my bet before the game source after having that discussion and having a little bit more in-depth look at uh, either team 19 by or less. And I thought, do I... Do I chuck the max on uh, on Sydney head to head at a dollar eighty seven, and just let it sit underneath there and uh, hope for the best? Just hedge it. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, I'm having a good round. I, I lost my max live bet with Scrimshaw, disappointing me. So I didn't pull the trigger. And when you don't pull the trigger, you don't get the benefits. So uh, across there, lost my bonus and. Uh, 
we'll go from there. We'll go from there on to the St Kilda versus Collingwood game. As we said, this was pretty routine for Collingwood uh, for, for St Kilda. I said in the preview that uh, St Kilda should not lose this game. They will not lose this game, and they didn't. I had twenty five on that at two dollars one. So just a nice little double up there for me, Pez. Yeah, I, I put mine as a bonus bet, so I put the halftime leader as well because I thought the Saints had come out strong, and they did. And uh, I just got a thirty-two dollar return from a twenty dollar bonus bet. So you got to be happy when that happens. The Bulldogs North game source, so I didn't put anything on there. Yeah, me neither, Pez. And um, there was not much really to watch because I was already celebrating into the green because with all those green texts. Ticks, Pez, it meant that my multi got up. I had $25 and a $3.26, three-leg same-game multi. Geelong, Port Adelaide, and the Saints, just to build up that little value, a nice little pro- profit of $81.53, oh, Pez. little multi got up, huh? <laughs> hey, the little multi. Yeah, happy with that after uh, St Kilda get up there. So, uh, great round, Sauce. Uh, great round from both of us, I, I would say. And uh, heading towards that 10% mark, uh, I'm about 2% away, and you're just under 1% there yeah. away, so. Uh, let's get off this little island and start building. The fact that the size of the bets was relatively small. Now bets with an opportunity about 50 metres out. I was with a mate and um, we were getting, getting sort of ready to leave and he, he said, um, I think I'm going to whack 10 on, on Maxi. Do you want, do you want some as well? And I, I said... Now, just before you before you hit that button, source, uh, I was I was down at uh, the East Kill Footy Club on um, Saturday night, and Heath Shaw plays for them, and he he driven to the footy that day, and he he had a few brewskis, and uh, you know what he did, and I didn't know this was an option. Left his car? No, he booked an Uber. Two blokes came in the Uber, and one bloke drove him in his car home. Oh, I like that. That is that is good, and I, I didn't know that was a, a feature, but whoever thought of that, that is really good. So if you've got your car somewhere, don't drink and drive. You can actually get your car home that night with uh, two blokes and an Uber. Yeah, well, that, that's the way to do it, Pez. That th- is a little bit special. I think it's good for them as well because if, if you... Do you, get double, super, do you have to pay twice? I don't know, but if you're super drunk, yeah, and you're going to vomit in, that's the biggest um, thing for taxi drivers and Ubers. <laughs> uh, if, if Heath Shaw had done that in his car and, and vomited in, inside there, it's his own car. Yeah. So the driver's got no risk there. Yeah, you so just called out a heat shore there for not handling his brewskis, but doing the right thing. No, I don't know how impressed he'll be there, Pez. That's really, uh, no, I'm just speaking <laughs> about it because he's in our intro, so that's what reminded is, me. Is. So let's get on to something a little bit more tasteful and hopefully some good specials for the round. Sinan takes a special and goes bang. Yeah, uh, well, when I did the specials earlier today, uh, one of them was an outsource, which is the main one. But um, Sportsbet have the kicker goal in the first two minutes for Thursday, Friday. They've also got the three-plus league AFL head-to-head multi as well as tabs. So have to be head-to-head, has to be three-plus. Um, you can get a bonus back there. They've also got the uh, up to three refunds per match, the same game multis, which they bought, down, bought out about quarter past two today, didn't they? So we'll go from there. Um, so tab have... Thursday night game, Friday night game, they've got Bulldogs in Sydney and they've got the Monday game, West Coast, North Melbourne for the three-leg same-game multi. Uh, Lads have the $2 Lions as well as Neds and Neds also have Thursday, Friday, same-game multis there, Source. Learned to get into the round pairs, some good specials that I took advantage of. You messaged me early in the day and asked if I'd done my bet slip. I said, nope. 
I'm waiting for Sportsbet to, to get their act into gear, and uh, they did, thankfully, at quarter past two. Uh, so let's get into round 17, which has, starts things off with an absolute classic. We see the return of Monday Night Football. We see the continuation of Thursday Night Football, and what a classic. You've got first – oh, sorry, you don't have first anymore because Melbourne have dropped down to second. You've got second versus fourth. Port Adelaide taking on Melbourne. Port Adelaide are the favourites, $1.69, with that home ground advantage surely being the telling piece. $2.17 for the Ds. The line is minus four and a half and the over under is 146 and a half yeah it's a very like the bookies don't really know what's going to happen nope. here do they because uh, you don't know what Port Adelaide's going to show up you don't know what Melbourne are going to do they've brought in Ben Brown which we mentioned earlier uh, desperation move I think I think Port Adelaide can take care of him uh, Melbourne's defense on the other end is very good so um, I think Port Adelaide are going to go in with the Marshall Georgiatis Dixon and really try and take advantage of that you've got Butters coming back into big the in, side in. Uh, which will Punters, be careful. We've been going on about um, Carl Amon since Butters has been out of the side. But Carl Amon's like, disposals go down when Butters is in the side mm-hmm. because he doesn't play that role. So it'll be interesting to see if he does actually keep his role, Amon, because he's been doing a great job and what role Butters plays or, or vice versa. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, in this source, I've gone... Cheeky! Oh, straight up. Yeah, cheeky, but I've gone to Max Cheeky. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> Here we go. It's a Max Cheeky, so Jesus. $50 on this one. And this wasn't going to be a Cheeky, but I've done it. I've put all the legs and it, it ended up meeting the rules. And wow, I thought Pez. I was already putting the Max on it. It's meeting the rules. I might as well make it Cheeky. So I have got the Port Adelaide um, halftime, full-time double. So they've got to lead at halftime. They've got to lead at full-time. I've got the over 133.5. What did you say the over sits at? Uh, 146.5. There you go. So a little bit lower in the alternate line on Neds. And I've got Christian Saylor, my man, to have 20-plus disposals. We've got Zach Butters coming back in to get 15-plus. Okay? No one's expecting him to have an amazing game and get 20-25, but 15-plus. Nah, and Charlie Dixon, against that really tough defense, he's $1.48 to kick two goals. So I'm hoping he can do it. 50 max bet. It's given me $5.56. <laughs> Nice little return if that gets up there, Pez. So uh, good luck to that. Uh, I actually don't mind your chances for that one. So that could be uh, we could could be you could be the one that's up and about uh, tomorrow morning, Pez, or later uh, later tonight after a couple of froffies. I'm sure you'll be or up and about. I could have lost the max bet at the start of the round and uh, crawling my way back. No, mate. Positive, positive, positive. That's all we want to see, and that's what I see from mine. I've put the max down as well. Three leg same game multi with Neds. Port Adelaide to win. I think that. Uh, uh, as you said, Melbourne is panic stations, and I don't think that um, I think that will really throw their their forward line into disarray. Port Adelaide, they like to win at home. They play well at home. They're playing at the top eight side, which is a little bit worrying, but uh, I think they can get the chocolates in that one. So Port Adelaide to win. Dan Houston to get fifteen, and Darcy Byrne Jones to get fifteen. Two dollars thirteen odds. Return of one oh six fifty. All right, all right. You confident? Keeping the confidence I'm from last round. Keeping the confidence, Pez. I'm up and there. about. I'm up and about. The second game, uh, Essendon will go in confident after um, a pretty decent sort of month against Adelaide Crows here um, at um, Marvel Stadium. Essendon take on Adelaide, as mentioned, a dollar twenty-eight favourites. The Bombers three seventy-two are the Crows, the Outsiders. Minus twenty-two and a half is the line. Over one sixty-one and a half, Pez. Uh, One sixty-one and a half. Interesting. Of uh, this game is a, is a nothing game. Obviously, uh, I think Essendon should uh, should win and, and get the chocolates. But I think Adelaide can keep it close because Adelaide, you know, they want to finish the season off strong. They did it last season. They're travelling down to Marvel after playing at home and getting embarrassed in that last quarter from Brisbane. So, what it, what it is is you you've got 
Is, is, are the people building your hotel there, Pez? They're getting my hotel ready. Uh, Pez has got some work happening in his house, and uh, they're building my uh, my little throne there, I think, for yeah, after the week last week. That's good. We're close enough uh, <laughs> to that line on the beach where we can actually see see the work's happening, so that's all good. Um, well, I've got a three-leg uh, three same-game multi with Neds, and if one of them fails, so I get a bonus back. So I'll put 25 on this. I've gone the alternate handicap of Essendon plus 11.5. So just a, a little bit of insurance in case they lose by a goal or um, up to 11 points. I've gone the unders, alternate unders of 190.5. So mm-hmm. under that. Yep. And the Crows, I said I want them to keep it close. I've gone Crows plus 36.5. So the Bombers can lose by 11 points or win by up to 36 points and it'd be under 190 points and it would get up. It gets me $2.01. Uh, $2 I didn't play a power player. So hopefully it works with the bonus <laughs> if one of them uh, misses out. Hopefully it does, Pez. I was a little bit worried when you said that you thought the Crows were going to keep it uh, close because I think actually at Marvel, Essendon, after an impressive sort of month that they've had, will come in pretty favourites. And uh, the line I got was minus 20.5 a little bit earlier in the week. Minus 20.5 uh, with Neds. Dyson Heppel to get 20 and Darcy Parrish to continue his amazing form to get 30+. plus. That gives me odds of 345 and I've chucked 25 on that one, Pez. Oh, maybe Keys go back to... Back to his tagging no, role no, and get no, on to no. Parrish. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Let's get on to the Saturday afternoon game. Hawthorne taking on Fremantle. A really interesting clash. This has been played at uh, Tasma- University of Tasmanian Stadium. And we know that it's generally windy down there, Pez. So I'm really interested <laughs> to hear your of thoughts Tasmanian. about this one. Huh? University of Tasmanian Stadium. Yep, that's, a, that's good. I like that. All right. <laughs> I actually like that. It's a rhyme stadium with Tasmania. Shut up, you <laughs> fool. All right. Hawthorne come in as the outsiders, $2.19. Fremantle, the, the favourites, $1.68. The line is minus five and a half in favour of the Dockers. The over-under is one fifty-five and a half. I think Hawthorne should pretend that this is Sean Burgoyne's 400th down in uh, Tasmania. And they've got a, a chance to win against uh, Fremantle down there. Uh, because it's in Tasmania and because I don't know what's happening, Fremantle, you know, they have to win to try and get into the eight. Hawthorne don't really have to do anything uh, of it. So I've just got a no bet in this one. Uh, what We'll watch with interest to see if Fremantle keep their season alive. Yeah, you pussy. I've gone rather cheeky in this one, Pez, because as I said, Hawthorne, they let players score four goals. They've done it seven times already, and it's going to be the eighth time on the weekend. I am a little bit uh, dubious about it being, obviously, in Tasmania and the wind playing a bit of an effect there. But, uh, you know, with no real dominant forward, surely this is the week Rory Lobb steps up, Pez. Oh, I've been, I've been watching Rory <laughs> Lobb for a while Here now. he goes, Pez. I've got $10 cheeky on this one. Uh, Caleb Sarong to get 15 David Mundy to continue his uh, Benjamin Button sort of time and get 20 And Rory Lobb to score four or more goals. That gets you nine bucks on its own. That brings up my odds to 11.75. And that, Pez, is going to be just a nice little... Uh, I might put there's a nice little extra balcony on my building that I'm building. So you're you're banking on Tabin and not coming back into the side? He's not coming back, <laughs> He's, you've heard it here first. <laughs> heard it here he first. was close last week. They're not close yeah, enough. Not close. <laughs> Rory Lobb gets uh, he gets four and gets the job done for for the Dockers. There, his his goal kicking could be an issue as well. Could he, be. he might. <laughs> There's a lot of things not playing. Into he the could have there. he could have eight shots at goal. Yeah. and not get four. Could so be, could be a very angry source next we'll week. We'll see. We'll see what happens with you, source. But the next game involves your cats, Carlton versus Geelong. It does, and as I've alluded to, this is a bit of a ja- danger game here. Carlton three seventy two. The outsiders, Geelong, the favourites, dollar twenty eight. The line. Mine's minus 21 and a half pairs, and I think that's a very high line for this game. The over-under is 160 and a half pairs. Yeah, I, I wasn't 
all over the line and, and things like that. But I think Geelong do this and have to do it comfortably. We said earlier, they've got to win. They've got to try and get into that top four and they've got to win by a lot. So I've just gone a, a two-leg multi with um, when I did my bets source. I had no sports bet special or anything. So I've just gone with Neds. Uh, halftime, full-time double. Geelong to lead at halftime. Geelong to lead and win the game. And Tom Stewart to get 20-plus disposals Love and really – uh, Take him across it's the back line and that set he's him up. Still, he's still sitting at about a dollar twenty-four. Yeah, you got to put him down to about a dollar eleven, I reckon. Oh, no, uh, I think that's what he is. Yeah. And then um, I power played it because there's no option for a bonus or anything. Source, so power played it up to dollar ninety-nine and put twenty-five on it. Oh, okay. Well, I like that, Pez, because it means that Geelong win. Uh, for me, I've just gone a really, uh, just a straight bet here. I've just gone uh, anytime goal scorer, Zach Tui to kick a goal. He get odds of uh, $2.40, Pez, and with Cameron out, and he's uh, leaked forward the last couple of weeks and snagged a couple. Last week, he had one, two. The week before, he had one, two. The week before that, he had two behind. So I think that he's a decent shot, and as you said, if, if uh, Geelong push forward and they get this job done, multiple goal kickers, so I like that one at just, $2.40. Just by itself, Just there. by itself, Pez? Just by itself, a little Zach Tui. Action, huh? No, I don't mind it at all. Uh, hopefully, he gets the the barrel or the the drop pun, or he can do a banana for the, all I care. It doesn't game, matter. The game winner. I don't care how he does it, <laughs> as long as he kicks one. As long as he kicks one, and the Cats win. All right, let's get on to your Saints pairs. Brisbane taking on St Kilda. A dollar twenty-two favourites are the Lions. St Kilda four thirty. The outsiders minus twenty-seven and a half is the line, and the over/under is one fifty-eight and a half. Yeah, I don't like this game. Nope, <laughs> I do not like this game at all. You don't know. Um, what St Kilda's going to show up. They're playing up at Metricon Stadium, so, you know, Brisbane's home state. But uh, I, I just really hope that St Kilda can, you know, make me sit down and, and watch this game with interest and not get blown out by a really good Brisbane side because uh, St Kilda have a really rough rough trot of it over the last six weeks. So this is where it starts against the Brisbane Lions. I've got no bet in this one. Uh, because I don't even know how the players are going to react and respond. Yeah, it's a really tough game. You're obviously getting Brisbane in their home state, but they're playing at Metricon. St Kilda having a you know a pretty up and about last two weeks, but haven't been impressive um, in terms of their their style of play. Like they've they've beaten the, the teams they need to beat, um, but you know both wins we've been putting it down to the other team really not uh, playing that well. So Brisbane are in good form after a big win last week. I'm steering clear of this one as well, Pez. This could go any way. Um, if I had to put a tip down, I would probably go with St Kilda at the line at plus 27.5. I do think that if they can continue the form that they've had and Brisbane, um, you know, they're happy to get home, but, you know, maybe they can keep it under 27.5, Pez, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see for that one. Oh, we'll definitely wait and see. And you've got the biggest rivalry in uh, footy next. Yeah, and it's playing at the second biggest stadium, mate. Don't worry about SBS Stadium. Get down to Mars Stadium. This will be a cold, miserable affair in Ballarat. Uh, you've got the Giants taking on the Gold Coast. $1.37 favourites are the Giants. A Gold Coast Suns, after an impressive win last week, outsiders at 3.13. The line is minus 16.5, over under 150.5. Uh, and you think that would probably be uh, money for jam, the, the unders pairs, because it's going to be cold and miserable there. Both sides never played here before? No. no. Interesting, isn't it? They're yeah. usually Bulldogs. Who do they play down there? Uh, probably someone rubbish. <laughs> West, <laughs> West Coast. <laughs> I think uh, possibly Port Adelaide maybe. But um, Giants versus the Suns. Now, with the Suns win last week, you can get some decent odds if you think the Giants are going to win. So mm-hmm. they're sitting at, what, $1.40 you said? $1.37 it's come down $1.37 it came down. Uh, I've just gone on Neds. I've gone just a single here. Um, GWS to lead at every quarter. So... Be leading 
at quarter time, leading at half time, leading three quarter time, win the game, get your odds at two dollars forty, and I've put the max fifty on that. Um, hoping the weather can stay uh, a little bit consistent, so GWS can get a nice early lead against uh, the Gold Coast Suns, who are young and tiring, and uh, GWS, you know, really need to win to try and stay in that eight. They might have a bit of a uh, bit of momentum. Heading into this one. Hope so, Pez. And uh, as I said in the, the pro review is when their good players play well, they win games. And that sounds so silly, but that's what they need to do. They need to come in this game um, and continue that form. They've got a sniff at the eight and they need to really, really put the put their foot down on Gold Coast, who will be up and about after their win last week. But that means that they, you know, they're traveling down the highway. They're playing the ground they haven't played before, similar to, to GWS here. I've gone pick your own line with bonus bet. I think the Giants can get it done by five or six goals. Minus 24 and a half. I know it is a little bit dubious there because obviously it is a low-scoring stadium with the wind and it's going to be pretty horrible weather, but I think that the, the Giants can get it done. The, the list, when you put them up side by side, they've got the superior list. They had a great win last week and probably more impressive win for who they knocked off. I think they use this as a momentum boost going into September. Yeah, um, they need to back it up because sometimes they have a really good win and then yep. they come out the next week and lose to someone they shouldn't mm-hmm. lose to. So um, all banking on the Giants here. We're heading to Sunday with uh, obviously no teams, no extended benches even being named yet and uh, not many player markets outsourced in the in the upcoming three games. No, but this will be an absolute cracker. The Doggies taking on uh, Sydney at Marvel Stadium. $1.30 favourites are the Dogs. Outsiders three fifty six, which I think is some, some good coin for, for Sydney after an impressive win last week. Minus 20.5 is the line over under is 164 and a half yeah uh how many um dead seagulls at marvel this week <laughs> you're all over the seagull business mate well have you seen that many seagulls on your screen if unless you're watching something that's at the beach and they've got some uh fish and chips on the ground <laughs> that that's how interesting this game is <laughs> no it this, is a very this, this interesting is gonna be an game. interesting game don't bring in dead seagulls. anything anything at marvel stadium with the roof open they don't do it like the MCG, how they no, got they the don't. wires. Um, it, it is actually really distracting um, watching watching the footy like that. So the Seagulls might try and help the Swans out, their uh, little brotherhood there. But Norton, as you said, with the concussion out, Mitch Wallace having to stand up, Libba just signed a new deal. Um, Sydney, you got Franklin who kicked, what, four last week and needs to continue. What does he need? He needs 24? 24, 24, 24 more? yeah, yeah. To get the 1,000 before the end of the year. So possibly. possibly. Um, if he gets four this week, he's in the box seat. He's in the it. box seat, especially playing the uh, the Gold Coast Suns in the last round. Ooh, a Jeremy Cameron type uh, Coleman medalist. <laughs> um, I, I think that this is going to be really, really interesting. Um, the Bulldogs have proven that they, they can stand up and uh, when people think, you know, they're playing a decent side. Sydney... Do we overrate them from last week and what they did? Uh, sometimes they're quite disappointing in what they do as well. But Franklin seems like he's fit up and about, and he's a really important part of their side. I've got no bet at the moment. I'll probably I might put one out on Twitter later when because um, Tab have the the same game multi special, and so does Sportsbet now. So when the player markets come out, maybe Friday or Saturday, I might put something out. But uh, watching with interest in this one. Yeah, I'm much the same, Pez. I need to see those lists. Um, it's a really important game for both clubs. Western Bulldogs obviously sitting the top of the ladder for the first time this year and Sydney you know um, a lot of people picked them as the team to drop out of the eight um, they've got back to that impressive football earlier that they played in the year they were gallant against Port Adelaide the week before they're playing a good brand of footy and as you said Buddy Franklin's up and about and when you've got a superstar of the game up and about 
you can never count out a, a team like that. Sydney, I, I think that they can get close. I'm steering clear for this game, waiting for the lines there, uh, so the players to come out. If I had to dabble anything, I don't mind the plus 20.5 there for, for Sydney just at the moment with no lists going off what they played last week. But let's get into uh, the MCG blockbuster, Richmond versus Collingwood. This is a crucial part of Richmond's uh, season, basically. This is the this is the dynasty laying on the line pairs. Dollar fifty seven favourites are the Tigers. 242 of the outsiders in the Magpies. The line has dripped out a little bit to eight and a half. Ooh. And the over-under is 147 and a half. That's good for me because I think uh, Richmond just have to win this. We've said, we talk about Robert Harvey and his coaching style and uh, being very defensive and stuff. And against Richmond, Richmond are going to go all out to try and get the yep. will the ball forward this week. And uh, a 7.5 line that I got earlier today at Neds, put the max 50 on it. And uh, I'm very happy and very confident with that because uh, Richmond just have to do it. They, they didn't do it last week against the Gold Coast. And now there's been so much talk and so much pressure on them over the last two weeks, Source, and everything is on the line sitting outside the eight. So they've got all these premiership players. Tom Lynch has already played a week. He's back. He kicked five last week. They're ready to go against this Collingwood side. Love that bet, Pez. I love that analysis, and that was exactly my thoughts on this. I jumped on a little bit later. 50 on the line, minus 8.5. I still think that is great value. I'll be upset if it comes at the uh, 7.5 there. <laughs> but, uh, um, Pez, yeah, I agree with you. They have to get it done. Um, and there's too much on the line. The, the football that you've seen off Collingwood the last couple of weeks has been very uh, defensive. That plays in the hands of Richmond, I think, and especially when they've got you know the dynasty on the line, the backs against the wall. I think Rioli can will come back into the side to try and provide some forward pressure this week. It depends how Dimmer, Dimmer wants to, to go about things. He hasn't been one to, to sort of drop the axe and, and bring people back in willy-nilly, but I think that's exactly what they need. I think they need some of that forward pressure there, and uh, especially against a Collingwood side that really hasn't shown much over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, hopefully uh, for our sake, Richmond uh, just give them a bit of a spanking. Hopefully. Speaking of a bit of a spanking, the West Coast Eagles are going to be looking for a really, really uh, bounce-back win against the North Melbourne. This is Monday Night Football, Pez, and the reason that it's been moved to Monday Night Football is just because the uh, the Perth government have announced that on Sunday they, uh, they'll ease restrictions, so the AFL cleverly and the SBS Stadium and you know all the people over in West Coast and in Perth would be celebrating getting the people back to the, the ground. So what it means is that Monday night you'll have a full capacity ground. Unless they're a bit upset with the 92-point loss last week. Uh, well, either that, well, you... Mate, they'll be they'll be there to, to either cheer on their their team or uh, a bit of a spray. or give them an absolute spray. So that means that the Eagles come in at a dollar eighteen favourites, which is which is very very unusual that they're that you know that uh, that long I guess at a dollar eighteen playing uh, one of the bottom sides at their home stadium. You think they'd be under a dollar ten? Yeah, but anyway, that's what it is. North Melbourne are four dollar ninety five outsiders minus twenty six and a half pairs. The over under is one forty three and a half. Uh, this is a bounce back game written all over it with uh, West Coast here. So minus twenty six and a half uh, should be pretty good. I've got no bet at the moment, but I'm going to uh, see what teams West Coast put out. Are they going to? You know, they're not going to play the kids. They're still in the season. They're still. Uh, in that eight, so no bet at the moment, just because it's a the Monday game, so we won't know it's the a long teams. Way away. <laughs> we won't know the teams. We know extended bench Thursday. When do we announce the team? Saturday night. We might know that team. So maybe Sunday we'll put something out there. But I do have West Coast in my three leg multi. Um, okay, so, so West Coast get the chocolate at a dollar twenty. Yep. 
Yeah, I Pez, um, again, the same philosophy. I don't think that um, the, the North Melbourne can do it, but I need to see the list there before I have a proper list, uh, proper uh, dabble at it. Um, I will be looking to put a, a Monday after after work sort of bet, I think, uh, once the lines have been there released, and I will probably will put something down just on uh, a player disposal market. Need to see the teams, though, before I make the call. Yeah, that's a, that's fair enough. So we end it we end it with uh, the three league multi, and I've gone over with Tab, so I don't have to use my alternate account on Sportsbet, <laughs> uh, so it's easier for me. Uh, Geelong a dollar thirty two. Uh, I think they they win this and win it pretty easily. GWS at a dollar forty, put them in there for a bit of value, and I think they win that one pretty easily. And then West Coast at a dollar twenty altogether, two dollars twenty one. Put the max fifty on that and. Uh, Happy days. Yeah, I've got a three-league same-game multi. No need for an alternate account because I'm a good punter and I don't get banned and I don't do the wrong thing, except for points bets. Screw those guys. Uh, 275 is my three-league same-game multi. I've gone the Bombers, the Giants, and the Tigers, all to have impressive wins. That gets me odds, as I said, it's 275, and I've whacked 25 on that one, Pez. Yeah, well, we're in for a big one here. We can't uh, can't sink, can't go down there. We need to we need to really get going in round seventeen, and we've got six rounds left. Source and then finals, of course, to to oh, continue. Brownlow as well, yes, which will be it's all coming really good. Uh, everything coming on, and we've got what about three and a half hours until uh, the footy starts tonight. So big game, Melbourne versus Port Adelaide. Get around that one as well. I'm Pez. Peace out. Oh, Pez is, uh, has bailed on our coin toss because he's down and out and he doesn't want to play, Pez. I'm going to backtrack you a little bit there because we have got oh, one of the favourites of this uh, of the segment of the show. It is a coin toss. It was a toss of the coin. You bloody looking at me like we're well, getting efficient, yeah? Yes, it's been an unusual uh, year for coin I can understand, Pez, you're running for the hills because oh, I've, take, off, I've, take, I've taken the lead off. in uh, the betting and I've been at the top of the table for our coin toss and uh, last week was no different, was it, Pez? Tell the tell the punters the results. You got six out of seven, I got five out of seven, so pretty <laughs> good results that there. Lead. You're up by three and uh, we'll continue to go. So get through the coin toss. All right, nice, short, sharp and quick. Pez, Port Adelaide Demons, Port Adelaide uh, line minus five and a half. Port Adelaide. Yep, I'm with Port Adelaide. Bombers, Crows, minus 22 and a half. Crows. I'm going Essendon. I can see Pez has got to, uh, some catching to do, so he's going a little bit risky. Hawthorne, Fremantle, minus five and a half in favour of the Dockers. Oh, that's, uh, that's a hard <laughs> one. That is hard. Um, Fremantle season online. Uh, Fremantle, of course, mate. Lobel will kick his 10 goals and get that done. Uh, Carlton versus Geelong, minus 21 and a half. This Cats. line is really tough. Cats. Um, uh, Cats. Easy for you going second all year, isn't it? Oh, well, do you want me to go first then? Yeah. All right, Brisbane, St. Kilda, the line is minus 27 and a half. I'm going with the Saints. Brisbane. GWS, Gold Coast, minus 16 and a half. I'm going with the Giants. 16 and a half, you reckon? Yeah, Giants. Giants. Western Bulldogs, Sydney, minus 20 and a half. Oh, you don't want to go first Oh, sorry, anymore. sorry. I'm going to go Sydney. I'm just used to it. I'll, I'll go Sydney at plus 20 and a half. Yeah, I'll go in Sydney. Richmond, Collingwood, we're both going minus eight and a half for that one. West Coast, North Melbourne, minus 26 and a half. And I'm going with North Melbourne, plus 26 and a yeah, half. Yeah, and I'm going West Coast to give him a bit of a pound. <laughs> Pez, have you got any... I'm guessing you don't have a coin toss for this week, Pez, or is it a... Well... You're looking at me like we're <laughs> over time and we, yeah, we are over time, but I thought you, it doesn't mean you didn't do oh. the show due diligence, mate. No. What do you got for me? What have you got for you? Uh, 
uh, works inside the house or outside the house. <laughs> Is the shittest clean toss. I'm just trying to make reference oh, to the fact that you've got, you, you've got the workers going, Pez, building my nice little uh, nice little building down there. Yeah, well, you ought to get the renovations going and, uh, <laughs> when, you, when you can. Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's wrap things up, Pez. Where can uh, the, all the viewers find us? Oh, you can tell them. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're the media manager. At Behind the Bound, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook, I'm Pez. You crack the sads, out. mate. You crack the sads. You have one bad show and you're, you're out. Oh, his headphones off. He stormed off. I'm still sourced. We'll catch up next time, guys.